Hello everybody and welcome back to the Boar Film Podcast. Today we have got Alice Standen, the Boar Travel Editor and a writer for the Boar Film, Bethany Lee. Today we will be talking about the new musical film adaptation of Hamilton. And as well, we will then be talking about other musical films uh, if we get the chance. But of course, Hamilton has reignited a whole load of conversations about musical films in general and their quality and also kind of the political implications of uh, what's going on in Hamilton as well. So there will be a lot to cover. So uh, first of all, just kind of introducing our uh, guests and asking what they've been up to. Alice, you're returning again. Hi. Uh, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it last time. Really. Well, you uh, know, we nearly went over last time after you, you <laughs> talked a lot about it, chapters one and two, which... I, I quite liked, but you two didn't. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, what have you been up to since? Of course, um, I suppose bore travel. Not many people are travelling at the moment, but more and no, more start to travel cool. again. Well, in terms of travel, it hasn't been great. Um, if anyone's listening that writes for travel, then please come and write for travel. Thank you. It's making my job very difficult. Um, but yeah, I've been fine. Um, I've mostly um, just been watching Umbrella Academy back to back, which doesn't really help you as film. Well, that's TV. Oh, sorry. But when they open the TV, <laughs> podcast, that here. I'll be on there. I'm not sure. I think out of bore people, well, I suppose Ollie has his own like Warthog podcast that he does with Hamish, but then it's just it's bore film and bore sports flying the podcasting flags at the moment. <laughs> so um, you know. TV TV starts trying to compete. I might have to remind him whose territory podcast is. <laughs> but, uh, there we are. Um, Bethany, uh, this is your first time on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. So what have you been up to um, kind of recently with projects wise? Have you been up to much? Well, certainly writing articles. I mean, the Hamilton yeah. article came out uh, earlier this week at time of recording. And so everyone should go and um, go and read that. Uh, is yeah. there anything else you're working on at the moment? Thanks for that little plug, by the way. I hope <laughs> if everyone goes and reads it now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm actually the president of a student magazine at Warwick called Cobalt. So we've been doing a lot of like work with that and getting submissions in for our next issue. So that's exciting. Watch out for that one as well. So we've got three people here who really just know like the the true difficulty of trying to find articles throughout the summer. Um, yes. <laughs> what does yeah what does cobalt uh deal with then what's the magazine about because i've not so, heard of it before i'm yeah so. we're, we're quite small we're a submissions based magazine so we had take like poetry art articles um songs literally anything that anyone wants to put into print um we usually pick a theme it's very broad and then just have anybody write whatever they want under that theme and put it all together in a nice pretty looking magazine so yeah that sounds really good and um yeah i'll make sure to put some links to where people can find that in the description for the podcast Thank as well <laughs> so uh of course as usual for these uh introductions who uh you know because bethany you're the new uh new guest here uh i think we'll we'll ask you first this week what have you watched recently that you'd like to talk about that's unrelated yeah. to the podcast so yesterday i actually got around to watching black landsman I have no idea how I didn't watch it when it first came out, <laughs> but I've only just got around to watching it and it was, oh my God, it was amazing. I already want to watch it again. 
it was so good and I think especially if everything going on right now the Black Lives Matter movement it was just oh it was so good to watch yeah definitely I I agree I watched it I think either last week or the week before now mm. yeah it was the week before and um I I agreed I thought it was excellent um have you seen many other Spike Lee films um I've seen a few I watched um his new one on Netflix uh The Five Bloods Yep. I watched that the other day. I liked that one as well, but I don't think it was. I don't think it's, I. It's not yeah. as good as Black Klansman. I don't think I enjoyed it as much. I think um, it's. Yeah. He he he's. His films can be quite jarring, obviously. So I think sometimes I find it hard to. Engage with them as much. Do you um do you mean kind of jarring in the sense of I think this is probably where we agree on this jarring in the sense of like when it gets quite forceful through its political messaging. Uh, yeah, that and also just the um, the way that it's edited sometimes, especially with the Five Bloods, because it would be like this fictional story and there'd be real photographs and history and stuff just edited in randomly. And I think it like kind of dragged me out of the story a little bit. I understood why, because obviously in terms of political message, it's really important to get that across. But I also just found it really distracting from what was actually going on in the film. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. Um, this was, yeah, this is something that was mentioned when um, we discussed the Five Bloods on the podcast in back in like the second episode. Um, and I think that where while Black Klansman does some of the same things, it it does it in just a way that's um, much more interwoven to the actual film story instead of it yeah. really feeling like um, you're just being lectured uh, as an audience yeah. instead. Um, I think the um, the way that the clips in Black Klansman are put at the end of the film instead of at the start yeah. of the Five Bloods really also um, helps it out as well a lot because you've you've already gained kind of um, the emotional investment from the film being such a good story already, mm-hmm. and you know and the themes are all prevalent throughout um, and even at the end of Black Klansman. Alice, have you seen Black Klansman? No, that's oh. why I'm just sitting here. Yeah, I, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd definitely get around to watching it. So after you have um, you know, the um the finale of Black Klansman, uh, which I won't spoil for Alice, but uh, you know, uh, it's it um it really kind of captures the the themes of not just then, um, but today. And that point is really reinforced um to you again that uh this is something that still goes on today with all that real footage and it just makes it all so much more shocking. Yeah. The ending, the ending itself is quite controversial in, in terms of what people think of it um, with the real footage. And I think, I think it tips that film over into being really, really powerful and easily yeah. what I think is Spike Lee's best film. Yeah. Me too. I agree. A, yeah. That's a controversial opinion, but that's, um, you know, <laughs> that's what we like here. Yes. Alice, what have you seen this week? I finally watched um, I, Tonya, which has been, I've been <laughs> intending to watch since it was in the cinema, but I finally, finally got there because Netflix put it on and I thought I can't put it off any longer. It's just because I struggle to sit through films. It's nothing about that film in particular. But it was, it, it lived up to my expectations. So that was good. Yeah, I watched I watched it recently as well. So I'm very glad that you guys have both chosen films that I've seen, because um, <laughs> that doesn't always happen. Um, 
And I, I, with I, Tonya, I thought that Margot Robbie's really, really good in it. And um, her character, kind of how combustible she was, was really interesting to watch. But I thought the character of Jeff, played by Sebastian Stan, was just really boring. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fair enough. It's also, it, I guess it's the same as what you were talking about with the other film, is it was like real life melded with fiction. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Bethany, have you seen I, Tonya as well? I have, yeah. I actually, I actually really, really like that film. I love it. So. Yeah, um, uh, I think my problem with it was, I think it's very good. I wouldn't call it kind of, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it great, I don't think. Because I think for me personally, I just thought it was a bit too um, unfocused in places. And I think that mm. mainly came from having Jeff's, you know, commentary on proceedings when he's just not an interesting character i know that yeah. a lot a lot of people seem to adore sebastian stan for reasons that i can't i can't decipher yeah i don't know either <laughs> yeah um i know he's been in a marvel film um yeah i think all the marvel fans in, are the ones yeah well he's i say he's been in one he's been in many and and even there i think winter soldier is just one of the most boring characters there are like well done <laughs> well done you've got a metal arm good job like <laughs> if it were up to me this is an argument i got in with a friend earlier this week um if it was up to me he bucky would have died at the end of captain america civil war um, oh no well, <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of backlash for that comment <laughs> yeah um well yeah i suppose you're probably thinking you're probably overestimating the amount of people who listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> who, who would then who would then be bothered to, to kind of like you know pull that one back up on me because i think <laughs> a lot of the people who listen would would hear that comment and just be like yeah james keeps making this point do it helps i i saw the war in cinema and i still can't remember anything that happened in it <laughs> oh uh, um i think this this is the thing with a lot of marvel films like i've seen them all in the cinema pretty much no, no i haven't seen all of them in the cinema i've seen quite a lot of them in the cinema I couldn't tell you what happens in quite a lot of them. I can't remember <laughs> a fair amount of them at all. Um, but Civil War, I can actually remember quite a bit of. I, I, I was kind of excited for it as a, as a story to be put on the big screen. Um, I'd read the uh, I'd read the comic book that it was based off of, you know, in anticipation. And, uh, you know, um, I suppose I could say the book's better at this point and be one of those people. I suppose it's kind of cheating for the fact that it's it's a graphic novel, right? Um, and that's a lot more visual. But um, yeah, like I think the thing is that because of the fact that no one dies in Civil War, it's just kind of a gimmick that it's heroes fighting against each other. If oh, someone had died, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the name Civil War, Alice. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. Um, Literally all I remember is is that they introduced spider-man who's my favorite of the marvel the only pretty much the only one i like of the marvel characters yeah, so I agree. that's all i remember <laughs> yeah tom holland tom holland's spider-man's pretty cute I w- i'd like to give him a hug at some <laughs> point he just kind of looks like he needs one to be honest with you um and and yeah like, i mean that's um pretty much what i have to say with with regards to civil war <laughs> But yeah, back on Itonia, uh, the mother, the mother, um, 
I can't remember her name or the name of the actress, but I know she won Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards. She was really good. I yeah. like that. I like that for um I was about to say father daughter dynamic, mother daughter dynamic. I thought that was really, really good and a lot more interesting than than Jeff as a husband. I suppose um they tried to play on the fact that the stories that Tonya and Jeff told were contradictory as to what their relationship yeah. was like. I did like that they in the film they do like um the different versions of like what people said happened instead of just like committing to one. Yeah. Um I thought it was quite nice but I don't really see how it kind of affected the overall story. Um to be it's right just because people in are still alive and could sue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose for legal reasons, that yeah, that makes sense. It avoids yeah. like the bias and then people getting angry that they weren't portrayed the right way. So yeah, um, I suppose if you made it clear that it was just Tonya being interviewed and it's kind of from her perspective instead, then you could have cleared up that issue. But I suppose still, it's just a legal minefield that I'm happy I wasn't a part of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I Tonya is kind of this slew of sports of sports films that I've been watching recently I suppose this is a good time for me to talk about what I watched this week and um I may I'll I'll talk about Moneyball for this week have either of you seen Moneyball no I haven't (laughs) Uh, well it's another one that's on Netflix it's sports related so that's what yeah yeah all right (laughs) (laughs) well so it's it's really interesting because um it's basically about a time in baseball where something called saber metrics were introduced where um people would start buying baseball players off of statistics uh that the players you know uh, exhibited on the pitch like how how many bases they cover how many points they gain but they'd find the statistics that were being undervalued by the other clubs and then start buying players who were undervalued um, so from from a being from a maths background myself, I, I found that really interesting, and um, you know that uh, I I've seen a lot of it in football as well, and I, yeah, it's quite fun to to view there. But the thing I find about sports films in general is that they're kind of glorified action films, um, and so whenever they're nominated for best picture, but there's some snobbery like shown towards action films. I always find that a bit iffy because, I mean, sports films kind of are structured in pretty much the same way. Like there's some sort of adversity that needs to be um, overcome every time. And you're just replacing your action heroes with whoever your sports heroes are and your action scenes with whoever, you know, whatever sports happens. So like in Itonio, you've got the figure skating in Moneyball, you've got the baseball and even going back to Waitonia, I found the I thought the cinematography when when the ice skating scenes actually happened, I thought was kind of disappointing. Um, I it didn't. I think in some places it was quite nice when they had a bit more slow mo and stuff. But I think they could have been a bit more stylish with it to really try and capture the beauty that figure skating yeah. captures in so many people's minds. But I remember I, when I. When I saw it in cinema, I was like, wow, this is so cool. I love how they shot this. And then when I watched it again back home, I was like, actually, it really isn't that good compared to what they could have done with it. Yeah, I liked the over the head shot of Margot Robbie spinning at one point. I thought that was really good. 
but then but yeah they only did that once I, I thought a couple more times of it would have been nice but yeah um that i i'm not sure if if either of you have any strong opinions on sports films that you'd like to throw back at me for my um mm, not my not not my, yeah <laughs> that's my, not my area yeah not, well it was i don't see them then yeah yeah <laughs> i suppose we're covering all bases today right you thought we'd be covering musical films but now we're covering sports films sports right? film. we've changed so, changed the plan next week the sports editor is going to come on again and be like i can't <laughs> believe you did this and you didn't invite me well, <laughs> We've already talked about sports films on the Boar Sport podcast, so I suppose you know I had to. We had to find something else to talk about when he came on here. I <laughs> uh, uh, really had to rack my brains for that one. I, well, to be honest with you, it kind of it kind of came about in the same way this episode's uh, topic came about, where someone sent in an article and I was like, "Oh, we should do a podcast on this," and then everyone's <laughs> involved, just like, "Yeah, go on." <laughs> it's the ideal way to uh, get onto it. So. I suppose we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't blue ball our viewers any longer. We may as well get may as well get right into our topic for this week on Disney Plus, a service which I don't have, but we're going to talk about a film that was released on it anyway because I've seen it live on stage. There was released Hamilton, the film by Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, well. So he's kind of been in bed with Disney for quite a while now, like working on Mary Poppins and Moana with them. And I suppose this was kind of the next logical step. I'm sure there's some actual Hamilton film that's probably in the works. I can't remember if that was announced or not. I know In the Heights has a trailer for it now, which was Lynn's Lynn's first um, musical that he did before Hamilton. So Hamilton, uh, for those of you who don't know what it's about, Bethany, would you like to explain to us what Hamilton is about? Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) So Hamilton tells the story of the founding fathers of America, um, but it does so in a really innovative way, in a way. Um, It kind of blends hip hop elements with musical elements to, it's like telling the telling history in rap if that makes sense um yeah it follows alexander hamilton obviously um through his journey from being an immigrant to america to becoming such a powerful name in america um and yeah that's my review (laughs) yeah so it goes through the whole of the uh war for independence in america and then it also goes to setting up the nation as well right up until hamilton's death which I want to say was in 1804. Me and Alice have both seen uh, this live. Bethany, you were going to see this live, weren't you? But I was. What happened? <laughs> Coronavirus happened. Thank you for that. <laughs> yep, as is commonly the case with these live shows, and I suppose is still the case with these live shows, even though football's allowed back, and one mm. would say that a lot more people are involved with that than would be involved in certain theatre productions up and down the country. There is, uh, you know, the, the theatre has been cancelled. Might not ever so, come back from this. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a struggling industry for sure. Yeah, like, it's it's one of those things that I just don't want to think about too much because I'll just get mm. depressed. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was going to be going off to watch Les Miserables um, again, 
uh, <laughs> but that but that got cancelled. We have been told that we will be uh, we've we've been given tickets for another showing. It's a shame that that showing will be in May of next year when I'm meant to be doing my final exams. Oh God. But, <laughs> but the gestures appreciated, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so, uh, Bethany, what did you think of the film? Uh, I suppose I'm sure you listened to the soundtrack before. Oh yes. Yeah. Of course. So I've I've been listening to the soundtrack for ages. Um, probably a bit too much. Quite embarrassing how many times I've listened to the soundtrack. But yeah, I've listened to it loads of times, and then obviously found out that I couldn't go and see it live. And then after I found that out, they were like, "Oh, don't worry, we're releasing the film." So I was like, "Oh, brilliant!" Um, and I was just so excited the whole time I was watching it. Like when the audience started clapping, I was clapping. It was I was proper fangirling in my room, like really enjoying it. Um, and I think they did a really good job as well. It's directed by Thomas Keel, and he he just did such a good job with like capturing it on stage and giving more insight to the characters' emotions and stuff. I really enjoyed it. So, um, what did the film do? Uh, so it would cut to various people instead of just leaving the audience member as if they were watching the entire stage. It wasn't yeah. kind of point of view from an audience. It was more cutting between certain characters. And so perhaps adding some more meaning in yeah, its yeah, editing that way. I guess if you if you were sat like um, near the back, you couldn't really see people's faces very well. Yeah. So... Uh, I suppose you bringing up the soundtrack, uh, Bethany, uh, I suppose let's all um, let's all confess, because I'm sure as as people <laughs> here who, who have been fans of Hamilton and fans of Hamilton for a while. So I the first time I would have listened to the soundtrack was when I went on holiday with friends to Devon and one of them had just uh, found it was like, hey, guys, you heard of this musical called Hamilton and because it was like 2016 yeah. uh, and it was in the U right in the US at this point, it would be big. Um, but in the UK, it was still just uh, coming about. He'd uh, he pirated one of the American um, <laughs> one of the American live show viewings for it and listened to the soundtrack a bunch. Um and so 2016, July 2016 would have been my um, introduction to it. Do do you have do you guys have kind of a an estimated <laughs> time of when you first listened um, to the soundtrack? I know for sure. This is something that I, I like to flex on people about because I'm one of those annoying people. But I was one of I was definitely one of the first people to because to know about it. Because I remember telling people about it at school when I was doing my GCSEs and people were like, what are you talking about? What do you mean rap musical? Um, and then and then it got and then, I, it, you know, it got really big and then everyone and then you get annoyed. But I remember explicitly because I used to like, um, you know, like when you're a fan of something. So you search for like more content. And I remember searching up on YouTube and it just being um, Lewis Hamilton. It was like nothing about it. <laughs> Like oh that's how far back it was, and then um, uh, I listened to it religiously while I was doing like my GCSEs, and I got one other friend into it, and that like, was all we talked about. Um, and then in sixth form, when they did the UK tour, I booked my tickets uh, a year and a half in advance. Oh wow. My time frame my... for booking the tickets was similar. I remember having a free um, period in my sick form with a friend 
and we were just sat there um, on the computers. I think it was on his laptop. He wasn't taking a chance on our crappy school computers. <laughs> um, we were just sat there, like trying to book the tickets for um, us and our friends, because um, the four of us who got into it together, we were just like, um, we we organised. We, we were like, yeah, okay, so yeah, everyone's confirmed that we will be buying tickets, and everyone was like, yes, of course, and then we managed to get them. And it was all, you know, the wait was all definitely very worthwhile. It was a very yeah, nice by, by the time it actually came around, because we booked it so far in advance, I actually wasn't that into it anymore. Like, I still like <laughs> book the tickets. So that was a bit awkward, but it was good. And and we were um, second row. Uh, oh, wow. It was my oh. it was my birthday and Christmas present for two years. Um, so <laughs> I took my mum with me because I didn't have anyone else that would wanted to see it. And... Uh, she didn't know anything about it going in and she now has seen it three times um, oh wow and is in love with it so I kind of passed it on I have passed the torch uh <laughs> and now my mom and my sister are really into it and I'm kind of like not that bothered anymore yeah um I suppose maybe that's for for me and you being uh, veterans of Hamilton is the status <laughs> uh, I'll give us just so we don't feel too guilty about not having seen the film. So do you think perhaps in in that way the film maybe has come a little late um or do you think yeah. it's kind of reignited people's interest in it because it seems like the film is um it's really reignited uh people's debates on it i've seen a lot more people making commentary videos about it on youtube and commenting on it on twitter either just to spite musical theater kids or to <laughs> actually make a point about it so yeah. do you guys think it either came maybe a little late or has it reignited interest in hamilton i think a bit of both um in the uh the thing with musical theatre is it's so rarely released as films is that the only way you can see it is illegally or you can pay hundreds of pounds and fly to New York in some cases. Like some shows only run on Broadway and then close and then you never see them again. So on one hand, it's like it's really good that they did it as a film because they, it's going to encourage other musicals to do the same thing. And they film them anyway, usually. They film most mm. musicals in the pro shot. I think mm. that's what it's called. So that they have like a reference for what it looked like on stage. So it's like, and lots of musical theatre people, fans have been saying for years, you know, just release them. We'll pay anything to watch, you know, because there are some shows, some shows that I like as well that have been closed for ages and I'm never going to get to see them. And it's like, why not release the footage that you have? But then on the other hand, it's like Hamilton has been big for so long. It's like, why did it take so long to release it when you know that they filmed it ages ago? Mm. You know, but then at the same time, it's like there are people who can now watch it that would not have been able to see it any other way. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes it just makes theatre so much more accessible to, like, theatre isn't cheap. It is it's a very expensive thing to go and do and enjoy. And I feel like releasing footage just makes it so much more accessible to so many people. Yeah. And seeing as it's quite, like, it's quite a struggling industry already, surely you'd want to get more and more people interested in it, more yeah. and more people 
wanting to see it. So I think releasing it is a really good idea. But I do agree that, I mean, the recording is from 2016 and they've only just released it. It's been way too long. Yeah. They should have released it a lot earlier. But it also it means like that now... Yeah. Yeah. Now it also... It gets... I guess new fans as well, people that won't have seen it before, but just have Disney Plus and have heard, oh, they're releasing Hamilton and it's a big deal. Maybe I'll watch it. Now maybe it's getting more fans in like a cool way. I I am also I also not to play the disabled angle again because I did it last time I was on, but it is more accessible on film to disabled people. Like mm. I don't know what the circumstances are with other disabilities in particular, but I know that I find it really difficult to go to the theatre because it is so loud and bright and overwhelming. So I yeah. can only I only ever really go and see things that I'm really, really passionate about because I I know that it's gonna take a lot of like effort to get through a whole show in one go. And you know, and it I and it makes me really anxious and really stressed. So I so I think in that way and in the way that you could probably put like subtitles on as well mm -hmm. and like they probably have an audio description and in that way I think it's it opens it up to people that couldn't have seen it on stage for other reasons as well yeah yeah um definitely uh just so that we can clarify for people who didn't listen last time Alice do you mind specifying your disability for people yeah I'm autistic late diagnosed but um there you go so um it's sort of like sensor I I can't cope with a lot of loud noise or a lot of bright lights or a lot of stuff happening and that's what musical theatre is so I yeah. have a weird sort of where I really love things but I also can't go and see them um mm. I have to wear earplugs so <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay thank you very much for that um uh, I think, yeah, you two make really good points about making it more accessible, which, to be honest, I hadn't necessarily thought about um, beforehand. I suppose I've never really thought about this kind of way of um, releasing musical theatre films like this instead of just, you know, making it a big film instead. You know, we, we why even limit it with musicals? I mean, with films in general, uh, you could do the same thing. I suppose some of the bigger... Uh, some of the bigger plays and um, stage companies like the Royal Shakespeare Company have been really indulging in National Theatre Live recently. Um, yeah. So I suppose to kind of go on a bit of a tangent here, um, is that kind of something accessibility-wise that you're both a fan of as well? Um, it's like um, with the theatre stuff, I think it is really good because you can open you open like YouTube, you know, for whatever reason. And on the front page, they have like loads of different shows that like have been on. And it's like, it's good because it's things that you wouldn't even think about. Like, unless you heard of it, you wouldn't even probably pay to go and see it. And now it's like, you can just watch it at home. We watched, um, we watched Joseph and his, uh, his fabulous coat, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Technicolor Technicolor. Dream coat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, come on. Get your musical theatre <laughs> <laughs> musical theatre kid credentials have just gone through the floor. <laughs> I do know what it's called. Um Technicolor TM, uh, because it money. Um yeah, but we watched that as a family and that was quite exciting for us um to see it. It was an older production as well, so that was quite good. And obviously, uh, my family have been to see it, but I didn't go with them because 
I, I, I as previously stated. So it was nice to get to watch it with them. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Um, I suppose this kind of what you said about um things that you've not necessarily heard of, uh, kind of also opens up. Uh, a whole nother conversation because of the fact that I suppose for most of these plays people who are going to be interested in it are going to be people who are either like studying English literature or something similar um, and I suppose that's that will be for the most part because that'll be where you hear about most of these plays I suppose it's not like other films and films these days where it's so kind of ingrained into pop culture which um, while I suppose Shakespeare references are bloody everywhere, uh, whether <laughs> we like it or not. Still, you know, you might not necessarily be aware of where they necessarily come from as well. So, uh, Bethany, uh, asking again about the Hamilton film, um, I suppose, were there any kind of standout songs or set pieces or anywhere in the choreography that you thought really kind of stood out to you? Yeah, so my favourite part is um, Satisfied, that song, because they do it so well on stage. They have like a turning table that they all um, stand on, like on the floor. And when Satisfied comes on, it goes in reverse and it goes through the entire like last how many minutes of the production, but in reverse whilst Angelica's singing. And it's just the way they did that was so good. I was it's so cool. Yeah, I had chills everywhere. It, they just did it so well. And the choreography for that as well is really cool because they're all slow motion and it's everything you've just seen, but a lot slower and more detailed. And it's, it's just, I really love that part. Yeah, uh, you reminding me of it just now and reminding me of what <laughs> happens in that did also just give me chills. So uh, second half. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I think that shows kind of how effective the musical is that I mean that's why it's so popular is um pretty much every song uh in its own way has kind of like these standout moments or choreography for me personally what I remember really enjoying was King George's songs yes he's amazing (laughs) yes it is incredible um and yeah I'll never forget the la da 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 da's that come at the end (laughs) who could fairly get those iconic segments (laughs) <laughs> and I, um, so the thing is with Hamilton that I've always found is like both halves of it feel like they could be their own musical. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I remember just watching the whole like first half. Uh, I remember just seeing all of the choreography and something that I'd listened to so much in the soundtrack, you know, for about uh, it'd be about two years coming up to that point, coming up mm. for two years of, listen- of like being very aware of the soundtrack and um and then just seeing it all on stage just gave me chills like song after song after song after song after song yeah, yeah. that's, that's um, another thing that i would sorry to cut across yeah, no. but i was just gonna say that one of the things that i enjoyed about hamilton is the fact that it is like completely done through song like there's no big gaps with loads of talking between the songs and i mean you can you can for some shows that's that's good and you know it works better but I did enjoy one of the things I enjoyed about Hamilton initially is that it all flows into each other it's not like they do a song and then they stop and then there's like a scene and then they go into the next one you know yeah Yeah. I agree 
Um, and it's really excellently paced as well. I think Definitely. for yeah for it to for it to maintain that kind of um, that non-stop kind of chill after chill and then just non-stop. kind of hey yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes um, <laughs> yes that's really uh, interrupted my train of thought but it was completely Sorry. worth it <laughs> it was completely worth it um, I think for, for it to constantly do that. Um, just kind of shows how like how excellent the pacing is how excellent the writing for it is as well um even though it takes liberties with history which i'm sure we're going to get onto um uh i suppose the hip-hop element of it as well is another thing which is uh really kind of new i suppose for musicals and um really vibrant and uh, I know, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda has cited kind of a lot of 90s West Coast raps, uh, stuff like Tupac and so forth, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, these are two worlds that uh, I don't think a lot of people would imagine kind of combining is the world of um, West Coast gangster rap and <laughs> um, musical theatre. But um, there we go. I just want to point out for the sake of um, that most musicals are inspired by the music of of when they are made so in a way it kind of makes sense to me that Hamilton would be inspired by hip-hop and rap in the same way that you know like um Rocky Horror Picture Show was kind of like the music of its time and like the same with like other musicals they kind of rely on current what's um, I'm trying to think of examples now and I can't. Six would be a good one um, for doing current music. Um, what else? You know, and the traditional musicals are kind of ballady and, and stuff because that was what the thing to do at the time was. Yeah, um, I think what I find so interesting about it, I suppose that's probably why it's been so successful, is the fact that it's kind of never really been done before and for the fact that... Um, I suppose when you've got um, the kind of heavy themes of Tupac's music, especially with um, kind of how kind of how a lot of hip hop music's perceived as being very kind of gangster oriented and talking about uh, a lot of people kind of dismiss it very out of hand as just talking about nothing but drug sex of women, <laughs> which is not is not the case, especially for Tupac when um, he, yeah. he he talked a lot about kind of um race issues as well and um other sorts of things like i've got um a cd with um some of his greatest hits on it and it's it's one that i pop in from time to time uh he was very religious as well and there's quite like a few um songs about that and even if you go into modern rap uh and i suppose uk grime is kind of the modern stuff that i personally think is well i suppose that's kind of my preferred rap genre i suppose you're right pop pop wise with um people like drake and um the evolution that's going on there but you've even got kind of people like dizzy rascal even though he's known for bonkers and baseline junkie and other things like his first album and his second album to an extent were kind of like this his like existential worries almost of growing up um kind of being in this in the neighborhood he was and kind of the fears of like yeah the fears that come with that that's like um I was just going to say that it's like um, a, a rapper I really like is uh, Princess Nokia and she does like a similar sort of like 
her music mostly focuses on what it was like growing up poor in New York, you know, in foster homes and stuff and how that's affected her. And I think that it's like um, rap is definitely deeper than people give it credit for. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, uh, and I hope this is kind of something that um, Hamilton, this is something that I think Hamilton hasn't done maybe as much as I'd like it to see it do, is I'd love to see kind of more Hamilton fans um, you know, people like my mum, for example, maybe give Tupac a chance now. I suppose yeah. Stormzy in the UK now um, has really kind of gone into the mainstream. And I think he's yeah. doing a lot of good things for um, for the perception of UK grime culture as well, especially with his activism and so forth. It's such a shame that Wiley has kind of sent perception of grime rappers uh, back 10 years by going on an anti-Semitic tirade. <laughs> but uh, There's always got to be one. <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, uh you know it's it's also a shame because i think uh this this is going very tangential now but i think people don't realize with wiley is that he right i'm i'm clarifying now what he did was ridiculous and he should mm-hmm. not be doing it and there is no place for anti-semitism on twitter or in the music industry or anything like that the thing is, is that Wiley has gone on Twitter tirades like this so much, but usually he's targeting another rapper. But yeah. this time he was targeting his manager, um, John Wolf, and he decided that to take John Wolf or to like start whatever beef he wanted with John Wolf, he decided that he'd use the collateral damage that was the entire Jewish race, which is just one of the most like completely stupid decisions I think you can make on Twitter in our day and age. Um, there are also articles about written by both black and Jewish people um, about how blacks, black people and Jewish people pit each other kind of against each other in the music industry. But um, I suppose that's a place for a music podcast to talk about. <laughs> Do you want to? do about colonialism uh, you, well, you know what dive into colonialism you know in hamilton <laughs> you know what? we haven't touched it yet and it is well and truly the elephant in the skype room yes yeah <laughs> so who wants to start us off with um the colonial roots of hamilton <laughs> well i have some thoughts uh, um, which is the i don't think when Lin-Manuel Miranda set out to write Hamilton, he had bad intentions. No. I think that he had good intentions, and I think that he intended to do good with it. And in many ways, he has done. But you also can't ignore the fact that it is a musical that romanticises slave owners and rapists. Yeah. Especially, like, um, Hamilton owned slaves... You know, he had that affair and they kind of blame it on the woman, which I'm not okay with. Yeah, they Um, really do. And um, Thomas Jefferson, you know, raped his 12 year old slave and she carried his child. So and uh, weirdly, they didn't I I didn't see the musical number about that. But um, no, like like, cherry picked and kind of painted them as like revolutionary figures when actually they were all very conservative, very bigoted people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's 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 kind of disturbing because you watch Jefferson, especially when he first comes in in Act Two, and he's jumping around. And he's like, "What did I miss?" And 
you're so excited and around and you find yourself like smiling and really like getting into it and then you stop for a second and you think this guy was awful <laughs> he was truly yeah awful and I'm enjoying a representation of him and I'm not sure whether I should be or not because it, they there's no denying that they were they were awful people or anybody that was involved in that was an awful person and I think everyone tries to defend the musical by saying like but they mention slavery and they bring it up but I don't think it's enough they have little throwaway lyrics like one-liners but they don't dive into the individual like accountability of any of the founding fathers and I think that's something they really really skipped over people defend it by saying well the story is not about slavery but it's like at the same time you can't tell the story of the founding of America without slavery without slavery and also one thing I think is that I really don't think that when they wrote it they intended for this to happen but like loads of people especially young people have like become really big fans of the founding fathers and they draw fan Mm. art and they write fan fiction and I'm not okay with it and also, I'm in a Broadway group on Facebook. Shame on me, but um, <laughs> there you go. And um, there are people in there, and they were taking signs with Hamilton lyrics on to Black Lives Matter protests. And I was the only one, and I was commenting like, but these people own slaves. Why are you yeah. taking the signs to a protest? I mean, I guess you could argue if it was like a person of color that they're like reclaiming it, but it was mm-hmm. always white people. and people would like jump on me and be like I can't believe that you're criticizing Hamilton it's like and I was like but you can't I just think people have seen it and then maybe because it didn't do enough to show how bad these people were that people have like then jumped on it as like fans yeah yeah um so one fact that um I think people ought to know with this discussion as well is the fact that um, of course, throughout the second half, there are those um, rap battles that they have in the Senate debating various issues. Slavery was meant to be um, a third one, but it got cut out um, for, I suppose, time reasons, because that musical is already mm-hmm. like, long enough as it is. Um, I'm not sure what the lyrics of that would have been, but I think that would have improved things to an extent to at least have like some more of an element of self-awareness to be like look look, we are kind of romanticizing these figures and I suppose this is the thing with the founding fathers that I think makes them really interesting from this kind of historical and philosophical perspective is that these guys have been mythologized to the absolute hills and you've got stories like George um, George Washington has wooden teeth Um, George Washington never told a lie um, to kind of (laughs) Yeah, to, to really kind of build up these stories about people who, you know, we have recorded history about, unlike other myths that come from, say, the Roman cultures or Greek cultures or any other ancient culture you want to name. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys think that this um, has kind of its own place within that mythology of the founding fathers? And I suppose specifically as well, do you think the slavery song um say it had been put in uh would have made this kind of i suppose this romanticization um even though it would definitely make it more self-aware about what it's doing but do you think that would have um justified it in any way uh, i think it, if they were to keep that song in i 
I also find it kind of disconcerting that the one song, well, not the one song, but one of the songs they decided to cut was the one about slavery. Because that just makes it a little bit even worse in my head where it could have been in there and you decided to take it out. It's not like you you, you made that choice to take that out. But I also uh, think that yeah. if, sorry, no, go ahead. Um, I was, yeah, I mean, I suppose if it's because of some sort of pacing issue or something, um, I, I suppose if, if you're going to have to put that in, then you're going to have to take something else out. For, yeah. for the story as well. Oh, just take uh, Adam's administration out. No one cares. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Are we going to start name dropping? I, I suppose we've not. We've only chosen. We've only had one um, choice of favorite song here, but now we may as well choose the least favorite song as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's song, not, yeah. I don't even think that's the worst one. Honestly, I, I just think it's the most. Um, easy to take out i think it's more that um certain songs in hamilton are forgettable rather than yeah. just like out yeah. like that um mm. that's why when it comes to thinking about what the worst one would be i just can't think of any probably because i've forgotten them um more than anything else when it comes to favorites uh guns and ships is always ones that oh uh, one, of course stands out yeah <laughs> everyone's that's very high energy and you know Love real yeah i remember it being even even among like the first half of just constantly giving me chills it just it still felt like this bolt of lightning yeah but um yeah so back to the <laughs> colonialism as well i suppose <laughs> yeah um just back to that tiny small back issue. To that, <laughs> tiny back little. To that really small issue um <laughs> that is romanticizing these people um films in general have kind of always had this issue and it's yeah but sometimes it has come from completely malicious intent like um yes. first the nation as a film for mm-hmm. example uh wd griffith was a massive racist yeah and um also transphobic uh in case you wanted any more reasons to dislike him as a person um and do you see it as a problem, uh, even with Hamilton now, uh, do you see it as a problem that you think may ever kind of go away? Or do you think it will always um, think, kind of be I here think, in one form or another? I think partially it does depend on the context, because in the US, these figures are already kind of romanticized. And I guess in a way it kind of does something towards that in that, you know, it. it but then at the same time, they kind of go, they did that. They famously, they got a lot of uh, trouble for doing like calling for all not only non-white actors in casting calls. And they got a lot of uh, backlash for that. But mm-hmm. also that they now, now a lot of people will use it to justify a lot of what happens in the show. And they'll go, well, it's history from then being told by people of today. And I, it makes sense to me, and I like what they did. And I think that if they are going to tell these stories, that's the best way to do it. But I also, I don't know, we're all sitting here as white people, but I just, I do wonder what it's like to be like black yeah. and having to play like a slave owner and like mm. kind of be like, you know, being like, yeah, I'm, I'm like a, a cool guy, you know? It, it just, I don't know, the whole thing, it just kind of feels, I, it, once I started learning these things about the founding fathers that I didn't know it just doesn't sit as well with me and that's why I don't like it as much now because there's other musicals out there that are like you know very very inclusive and they and they are telling stories of you know black people and queer people and 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 they aren't 
romanticizing slave owners and it does annoy me it's like why does this i understand why it gets so much attention but it's also like why is this one like the big musical when it just is about slave owners yeah i get that i think for me my opinion on it is that like regardless in the entertainment industry these like stories of these slave owners the founding fathers other like horrible parts of history are going to be told everyone's going to represent these there's going to be films made about them there's going to be songs there's going to be theater so if that it does have to happen if we do have to be told these stories through that format I would much rather it be told the way that Hamilton is than yeah. in a production where I have to sit and watch loads of the same white people that we see all the time yeah um, is it you you can yeah. tell if they if they'd done like an all white cast, it would have got yeah. a very different reaction. Very, very different. I think that it opens so many doors for theatre as well because the, oh, they're just the representation in theatre. It's so bad. It's, yeah. it's not very where it, it should be. It's yeah. so white, and it's it's really not where it should be at all. And I think by giving these roles to people of colour to black people, it opens so many doors, and especially having historical figures be played by these people because. Mm. There, there will always be people that will come forward and be like, well, that's not historically accurate. I can't watch this because they don't they don't look like what they would have looked like back then. And I think that's just so ridiculous. Do you think... Oh, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I, do you think it might be um, kind of reclaiming the myth in a sense yeah. because of the fact that these are people who are just heavily mythologised anyway? But then if you, yeah. you mythologise them to be black which of course would make these people turn in their graves and hopefully yeah, exactly. Good. yeah exactly um, good um, yeah like, I do think there is a slight problem of I don't know how to explain this about it but it's like it, it, Hamilton has done a lot for representation and they did a non-white casting call which is great and I think that more shows should be specifically looking to hire actors that aren't necessarily white but it's also like why are they only being why are they only doing this for shows that like where they have these characters that own slaves it seems kind of like I don't know it's like why do you only want to cast black people in relation to race it's like how they only cast queer people in relation to like queer stories in a way yeah yeah do you think that might be more of an indictment of the kind of entire musical theater like where it is in general rather than just Hamilton itself do you think it's yeah, kind of yeah I, I just think you know you're this is something I was thinking about the other day in preparation for this I was thinking about Dear Evan Hansen which I personally dislike a lot but that's just my opinion but like it's the fact that they've never I think that they had all kinds of problems for being racist at the start but the fact that you would never see like a black person playing Evan Hansen as if like black people can't be shy and socially anxious or whatever you know I just feel like it's got so musical theater is very typecast and they always see white people fulfilling like the main roles and like Mm -hmm. and 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 unless race is like a part of the character they don't see a reason to like cast someone who isn't white I just think it's a big problem overall um, I think, in my opinion, the big kind of issue within musical theatre with regards to um, 
with regards to representation would be the fact that as a um you know to go and watch hamilton sets you back nearly like 100 pounds yeah basically these days or more (laughs) right yeah so that you're yeah um you know I'd say if you're prepared to go and watch Hamilton, I would say um, set a minimum of £90 and expect yourself to need more than £90 in order to actually go and watch it. Yeah, and you've got to travel there as well. Uh, You've got to... Overnight, usually. Yeah, usually you might have to go overnight or you risk getting a train back at whatever time in the morning, right? And overall, if you're in London as well, you've got to then eat in London, which is also expensive. So mm-hmm. overall, just to go and watch this, you could be spending anywhere between 200 to 300 pounds to watch this, right? Now, I suppose, um, you know, for, for plays in local theatres, you won't have as big of an issue, but it's still like more expensive than, say, go to a cinema, yeah, it, read a book or something is, like that. Hamilton in particular is so expensive that it's kind of marketed towards like the white middle class in a way like yeah. sort of upper middle class which is so weird because it's like why are we the what it's so weird that we all go and sit there as white middle class people and hear this story about slave owners i i mean and, and other people can't see it and it's it just seems so weird theater as a whole is really overpriced that's why they need to make more films yeah. um, basically and this is what I think is the big issue um, for for most minority communities kind of up and down the country. They're not going to have the disposable income to be able to go, like, go and watch these things and to be inspired by these things. And yeah. what? Yeah. One of the lines that I always I always kind of laugh at people's reactions to in Hamilton. Bethany, I believe you mentioned this in your review is yeah. the line immigrants. We get the job done. These people who are spending like 200 to 300 pounds each to be here all start cheering as the middle yeah. class, uh, which I always, find, I, I always find is kind of this real indictment of the liberal elite where um, you, it, it's clear how out of touch a lot of them are with working class issues or kind of any sort of minority issue as well. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, it's it's kind of that awareness and lack of acceptance thing. Like that I people, think, yeah. people will sit there and clap and and not realize that like we are the bad guys here. Like yeah. in many ways. like I don't know. Also, they they kind of like it's good what they do and in relation to immigrants and stuff, but also it's like in real life these people were still kind of white and rich. So yeah. They yeah. were. I think. I think it's again, like you said, it's done with the best intentions. And I do think that that line for me, I really love that line just because I think that it highlights how ironic it is, yeah. like the situation in America, the fact that literally the country is like built by immigrants, and people will sit there in America and be like, "Oh, we need to reclaim our America," and I'm like, "Your America? You didn't. <laughs> you didn't do this. This was the all them." Americans off to the side, like what are you yeah. talking about <laughs> yeah exactly so I think it's, it does a really good yeah. job of like highlighting that irony um but yeah I think my favorite thing about that irony in terms of just um one of those things that I tend to laugh about because otherwise I get angry about it and I'd just rather not be angry about it mm-hmm. is um 
is like uh, we get commonly in Britain and I suppose for me and Alice commonly in Bristol as well for our part in the slave trade of people being like, oh, why should we be guilty about our history? And then at the same time, it's they're awful. off. And at the same time, they're celebrating VE Day, which they equally <laughs> just weren't there for. And so apparently we should celebrate our history when it's good, but not when take we win, the guilt for it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but not take the guilt for it oh, when it's bad and that, that yeah. as well. You know, I said this on VE Day to my mum and like, bless her heart, she was just like, James, if you just keep going through with the pessimistic outlook, then you may well go mad, which I think <laughs> is a very fair comment on her part as well. Yeah, I think that it's it's one of those things because it's like, I don't think this means that we should never celebrate VE Day. I think it just means if we're going to do that, then we also have to acknowledge the awful, awful things that we have done in our history. We can't yeah. only celebrate the bits that are good and work in our favour and are patriotic. We have to talk about the stuff that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. And I suppose, uh, wonderfully, we've gone from film podcast to music podcast to politics <laughs> podcast all in one sports, episode. Sports, don't forget sports. Sports, don't forget sports, sports yeah. to start. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that is all we have time for this week thank you guys very much for coming on it's been a pleasure having you both Alice again of course and Bethany for the first time Um, (laughs) so uh, Bethany uh, where can people find you on various social media platforms Um, and Cobalt as well well Cobalt we have a website it's a Wix website but if you just go on Facebook and type in Cobalt um, University of Warwick it'll come up and our links will be on our Facebook page for our website and our Instagram and all those kind of things. Brilliant. And Alice for Um, Boar Travel. Yeah. um, So at the Boar Travel on Instagram, I think it's just at Boar Travel on Twitter. Um, We have a Facebook group of writers. Please come. (laughs) We are one of the smallest groups. (laughs) Yeah. And for anyone who um, isn't, in the Bore Film Writers group as well, but is on Facebook, then you're very welcome to join and very welcome to write as well. Uh, tell, we put tell James up. your opinions about Hamilton. Yeah, 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 please go for it. Tell me my opinions on Civil War and Sebastian Stan as well. <laughs> tell me what you think about those. Um, <laughs> maybe come on the podcast and have a full-on Sebastian Stan debate with me. It might happen. Yeah. Who knows? If someone's <laughs> truly passionate enough. Um, you mean uh, if they're really passionate, they'd be a Sebastian Stan. Yeah. They would. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, look, it's it's one of those puns that's kind of lingered in the back of my head, but I've never <laughs> used it because it's you know it's one of those you save for a rainy day because you don't want to uh, <laughs> you don't want to misuse that one. But I think Alice has kind of got it perfectly. So yeah. Apple Film on Twitter, Apple Film on Instagram. Um, however active that is these days. Uh, ball film on That's facebook job, yes yeah it is uh, this, <laughs> it's why i'm looking forward to the deputies because when it comes to instagram uh, i've got not much of a clue of what i'm doing but there we are so um yeah all those lovely things you can find me on twitter at j underscore palmer two as well uh, i hope you guys have a wonderful week thank you very much to our guests again i'll see you next time goodbye <laughs>